trusting that the Lord has heard our prayers. Uh, let's go ahead and turn to our, uh, our scripture this morning. Uh, we're going to turn over to Luke chapter 4. If you have the, have the Black Bible, it's there at your feet. And it's over on page 859. Now, this is actually picking up on a subject uh, and, a, and a text that we looked at last week. Uh, we started last week to talk about the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of Jesus. The role of the Holy Spirit in the life of Jesus. And we saw that Luke especially really likes to highlight this. Whether it was giving us the, uh, the explanation of his, Jesus' humanity, uh, that uh, he was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, or, or into what we looked at last week in Luke 3 and Luke 4, Jesus baptized with the Spirit there at the Jordan, and then led by the Spirit, and, and strengthened by the Spirit, and the temptation in the wilderness. And, and now we pick right up uh, where we left off in chapter 4 to see Jesus doing his ministry under the power, through the power of, of the Spirit. And it's all part of our series, Knowing Jesus. And sure enough, we get to know him better uh, and be encouraged about his work in us. So what we're going to read this morning is uh, verses 14 to 21 of Luke 4. This is picking right up after Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Now we, we read uh, verse 14. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And a report about him went out through all the surrounding country. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And in the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your Hearing. Let's pray together. Lord, we do pray that you would use your scripture uh, to show us what you've done in your son and encourage and strengthen us as we follow him. We ask it in, in his name. Amen. Now, kids, if you were here with us last week, you remember we talked about snow. Remember talking about snow last week? Well, if you weren't here, you were talking about snow. Not just any snow, like what if it snowed like a lot, a lot, a lot, like blizzard snow. And the snow was so deep, like maybe up to your waist or higher, that you couldn't even walk through the snow. What then? You're stuck in the snow. What do you do? Well, last week we said, here's a solution. You could find somebody bigger and stronger than you and have them go through the snow first. So because they're bigger and stronger, they can walk through the snow that you can't. And in the process of walking in front of you, they stomp the snow down and create uh, footprints in the snow, kind of a path. And then you'll be able to walk in their footsteps. So because you found somebody bigger and stronger who could do what you couldn't do, 
you were able to follow after them. And we said last week, that's a, that's a pretty good picture of the Christian life. See, here's, here's the, the, the call for us to, to know the Lord, uh, right? to follow him, to walk in his ways, to grow spiritually, to serve the Lord all our days. And Well, honestly, that's, that's something we can't do. We don't have the strength to do it. Uh, we don't have the power to do it. We're, we're too spiritually small and weak in ourselves. It's like being stuck in the snow. Uh, but what the, what the Gospels give us uh, is this picture of Jesus who's, who's made just like us, only so much different. Right? You could say spiritually bigger and stronger. And he can do what we can't. And the Gospels give us this picture of Jesus as Jesus doing that and doing it perfectly as a kind of uh, second Adam. Right? Adam failed as he represented humanity. Here comes a second Adam. Uh, made just like us, only he succeeds. Uh, and, and, and succeeding, it's not just for him, uh, but it's for us. Because going before us, uh, he, he, as it were, uh, makes the path, stomps down the snow, and now, filled with the, the strength uh, of Jesus, we can follow in his, in his footsteps. And that's what the Gospels present. And <clears throat> in this passage, these passages here in Luke 3 and 4, uh, give this picture of Jesus as this this perfected humanity. Humanity the way it was meant to be uh, and humanity for us. Uh, and what we see is as Luke's presenting that, he presents Jesus as, at every step, filled with and empowered by the companion of the Holy Spirit. Uh, filled with uh, and empowered by the companion of the Spirit. Which maybe seems a little odd because well, we might think, well, why does Jesus need the Holy Spirit? Isn't he God? Well, he is God, uh, but as, we, as we've been seeing, he's also fully man. And in being the second Adam, he's got to be humanity perfected. Well, the way mankind was always meant to be is not strong in themselves, but dependent upon the Lord and in fellowship with the Lord. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Fellowship with the Lord and empowered by the Lord. So here's perfected humanity, and sure enough, there he is, in fellowship with the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit. We saw it last week. Uh, and now we're going to pick up right where we left off and, and talk about the ministry of Jesus and see, look, it's all done through the Holy Spirit. Uh, and it has everything to do with us. Because, because what we're going to be able to do is follow in his footsteps because he does it first. Uh, and, and that's where we're going to go. But first, we've got to look at Jesus and see what the Spirit does in him and then realize that's what he's going to do in us. Okay, so looking at Jesus and how he is, first of all, equipped for ministry. Uh, and Luke, the passage we read, as well as the, the rest of chapter 4, gives us this picture of the, of the beginning of the ministry of Jesus. Jesus has just won a great victory against the, the devil in the wilderness, and now he's, he's, now he's on the attack. Now he's on the offensive. Having defeated uh, the devil there, he's able to really take back enemy territory. And he does this ministry basically in two different ways, uh, through preaching and through works, mighty works, uh, miracles. And we'll look at each of them, and sure enough, you see the Holy Spirit. Okay, so he's preaching. It's described in the passage that, that we read. Verses 14 and 15 talks about his preaching ministry generally, and then we get a specific example. So 14 and 15 uh, talk about how he's, he's, going, uh, he's going about uh, the territory there, right? Returned, 
uh, and he's reports going out. He's teaching in all the synagogues, right? He goes into different towns, goes to the synagogues, teaches, teaches there. And But what does Luke tell us? That he returned in the power of the Spirit. Then we get a specific example. A specific synagogue on a specific Sabbath day. It happens to be Jesus' home church. Uh, he's there in his hometown of Nazareth, and it's it's the Sabbath day, and he's he's the guest preacher. Uh, and so they they read the scripture uh, as as you would do in that day. You'd stand for the scripture reading, and then then everybody, including the teacher, would sit for the sermon. Um, uh, but uh, but here here is uh, here is Jesus. He stands. Uh, he's given he's given the Bible. He's given the scroll of Isaiah, and he turns over to not just any passage, but this passage from Isaiah 61. It's what, it's what Chris read for us earlier. It's this passage where Isaiah is talking about this day to come, this day when the servant of the Lord is going to arrive, and the servant of the Lord is going to have the Spirit upon him. Uh, and because the Spirit empowers him, he's going to proclaim this message from God, uh, just like all the prophets. Uh, do receive a message from God. Only this is not going to be any message, and it's not just going to be any prophet. This is the great prophet with the great message. And what Isaiah tells us is that this prophet is going to announce the arrival of this glorious age of salvation. Uh, but he describes it with very specific language. Uh, he uses the language of the Old Testament year of Jubilee. You ever heard of that? Uh, it was this institution that, that was instituted all the way back in Leviticus, uh, where God's people were supposed to, every 50 years, celebrate this really special year. Uh, it, was a, it was a year of joy and celebration. Uh, you'd sound the trumpets and, and proclaim that this, this year had arrived, this year of jubilee. Uh, it, was, it was good news. So the proclamation was good news, because it was a year of worship. It was a year of rest. It was especially good news uh, if you were if you were poor, uh, because you know back in those days you, you couldn't just file for bankruptcy or something like that. Uh, instead, if you got really poor and were struggling to survive, well, one of the first things uh, one of the things you could do is you could sell your land, get some money by selling your land, which is kind of a big deal when you're when you're an Israelite because the land you're selling is is the inheritance of Abraham that's given to your family. But if you're it's that and starve, sell the land. Uh, but if you're still dying and, and, and need money, well, the next thing to do is you sell yourself into slavery. Uh, but the year of Jubilee comes along every 50 years, and this is very good news for you. Uh, because uh, the year of Jubilee, well, one of the things is all the land gets returned. So you sold it, and now your precious inheritance is back. Uh, and all the slaves are set free. So now, having sold yourself slavery, now, now you're free again. Uh, and so the proclamation is, is good news for the poor, freedom for the captives. But Isaiah comes along and says, with that very same year of Jubilee language, and says, yeah, but this is this picture of something much, much bigger. Not just a year, but, but an entire age of rescue and salvation and, and freedom. And it's all because this servant of the Lord arrives full of the Spirit and he proclaims it's here. And Jesus reads that passage. And everybody sitting in front of him gets it. And then Jesus is about to give his sermon. And what's the, what's the thrust of his sermon? Yeah, that whole year of Jubilee stuff, this age of salvation, 
Jesus says, this has been fulfilled in your hearing. You see what he's saying? He's saying, it's here because I'm here. Because I'm proclaiming it. Because Jesus says, uh, I am the one full of the Spirit. I am the one who is now proclaiming that the year of the Lord's favor is here. It's now. Uh, that freedom for the captives, it's here. It's now. Uh, that good news for the poor, it's here. All because he is here. So that those who have no power in, in themselves, well, because Jesus has arrived, now all of a sudden there's, uh, there's hope, there's rescue. For those who are slaves to, to sin and to Satan and the powers of darkness, uh, there, is, there is release for those captives because Jesus has arrived. To those who are blind and can't see, uh, there, is, there is light, uh, as Jesus will show, uh, sometimes physically, but especially spiritually, as darkness shines uh, in, in places where there was no, as light shines in places where there was no darkness. There was darkness. The year of the Lord's favor has come because Jesus is here. And Luke presents that as, this is what Jesus preached. Here's the illustration. This is the example. Uh, but remember, he's going from town to town and synagogue to synagogue. And this is his message. This is his message. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. And I'm proclaiming that this age has arrived because I've arrived. Uh, there is Jesus' ministry. And it's done. This preaching ministry, this good news he preaches, is done in the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so there's one half of his, of his ministry, this preaching ministry. But then he also uh, is engaged in these mighty works of uh, miraculous works, which is actually exactly where, where Luke goes next. We didn't uh, read it, but you can kind of glance at your Bible there uh, in Luke 4 and see, even just by looking at some of the headings, if you have headings in your Bible, you see the very next thing God, uh, God does through Jesus is these, is these great miracles, uh, so he, he, he very, after he leaves the synagogue, and very next thing, he goes to another town, and look, there's this demon-possessed man. Jesus heals him. Uh, and then he goes to Simon, Simon's mother-in-law, who's deathly ill. He's, she's healed. Then verses 40 and 41 tell us that all kinds of sick people are brought to him, demon-possessed people, sick people, and they're healed with a word, with a touch. Uh, and you can start to see how these are very, very much, very much connected with the preaching uh, that he has just done and continues to do. Uh, that this glorious news of rescue and freedom, it's here uh, because, because Jesus has arrived. Uh, because Jesus has arrived. Uh, he's giving freedom to those who are enslaved under the power of darkness. So he runs across Hey, those who are who are filled have demon possession and they're freed. Yeah, look, the year of the Lord's favor, freedom for the captives. It's here. Jesus is here. Uh, look at those who are who are oppressed by the brokenness of the world, right? The, the sickness and the death, right? That's part of the, the broken ugliness that wasn't originally here in our world. But Jesus proclaims, new age has dawned, the kingdom has arrived, and look, he's uh, he's casting that out as well as the, the sick. Uh, are healed. It's this now visual pres presentation of what he's been saying uh, with words. Now he says it with actions. Uh, the kingdom has arrived. Uh, and look, it's here because I am here. 
And those miracles, too, are done by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus actually makes a real, a real point of that in another passage. In, in Matthew 12, there he's having an argument with, uh, with, with some of those who were, who were detractors and trying to tear him down. And, and they're claiming that he does all these mighty works by the power of the devil. And he's saying, actually, no, it's by the power of the Spirit. Uh, and he, here's, what he, here's what he says. It's Matthew 12, 28. Uh, he says, but if, if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon me. Um, again, that, that sign, the kingdom is here. That's what these miracles are. But notice how he says the power through which he does the miracles. He says it's by the Spirit of God. It's by the Spirit of God. Just like his preaching was through the power of the Spirit, now his miracles are by the power of the Spirit. Um, which maybe strikes you as a little bit odd, because uh, a lot of times when we look at the miracles, we tend to think, oh yeah, Jesus can do this because he's God. That's true. Uh, but but, the, but the, the Gospels, and especially Luke and Matthew emphasizing it here, that it's, all, it's not divorced from his humanity. Uh, remember, the picture is like this, here is this, this new second Adam, he's, he's fixing things, and, and here is Jesus, yes, in his humanity, doing miracles, yeah, because he's filled with the Spirit. It's by the power of the Spirit that he does this. Uh, here he is, just like his preaching ministry, equipped uh, by, the, by the constant companion of the Holy Spirit. Whether it's preaching, whether it's doing miracles, Jesus, uh, in the power of the Spirit, doing his work. And that's all the way up to the very climax uh, of his work here on earth, which, of course, is his death and resurrection. And sure enough, there, too, the scripture says, the Spirit's at work. Okay, so let's, let's go there. Equipped uh, by the companion of the Holy Spirit for death and resurrection. So here we need to go to a, a couple other quick passages. So uh, if you want to turn over uh, to Hebrews 9, you can turn there or just listen. Uh, Hebrews 9, it's over on page 1006. Of the um, of the Black Bible, and and in Hebrews, the author is talking about Old Testament priests and how they offered up these uh, these animal sacrifices, and how it was, it was a picture of of forgiveness of sin. Right, we get forgiven because some spotless substitute dies in our place. But Hebrews is making the point that. Well, but that really doesn't bring full forgiveness, real forgiveness, because it's, 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 not, it's not, not a real ultimate sacrifice, substitute. But, he's, he's making the argument, there is now a final sacrifice that actually does win forgiveness. Of course, Jesus, the final high priest, the final sacrifice. But then, look at, listen to the language of Hebrews 9.14. 9.14. Compared with the animal sacrifices... How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself uh, without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? This is our hope. This is the good news. Jesus is that great sacrifice, the perfect substitute. He bears our sin uh, so that we can then be forgiven uh, and and don't have to bear, uh, bear the wrath of God for our sin. There's our salvation. Jesus and his work on the cross. But notice how Hebrews presents it. How is that work on the cross done, his death? It's done through the eternal spirit. 
He offered up this, this sacrifice through the eternal spirit. In other words, just like every other part of his ministry, Jesus was there uh, doing that work on the cross, empowered by the Holy Spirit, which in one sense makes perfect sense. He's always, uh, the entire earthly life is through the, the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. But there might be something a little bit new to our, to our minds about this, because when we often talk about the cross in Christian circles, we can tend to really hone in on, uh, on the, the forsakenness of Jesus. That there at the cross, right, the Father turns the, the smile of his countenance away, Jesus forsaken on the cross. Absolutely true. But at the very same time that he's forsaken, uh, there is also this other element that Hebrews wants to highlight, that at the very same time, uh, there is the Holy Spirit empowering his work on the cross, empowering him to offer this sacrifice. And of course, it, and of course you see it. Just like uh, the Spirit was there through every other part of his ministry, here you see, well, look, he's, he's humanity, but spotless all the way to the end. Right? Yeah, because the, he has the Spirit empowering him. Uh, there is Jesus to the very end, doing his Father's will, of course, uh, by the power of the Spirit. There is Jesus proclaiming good news, even on the cross, as he, right, Father, forgive them, and he says to the thief, you'll be with me in paradise. There, he's still uh, doing exactly what he did in the synagogue, proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor. Yeah, because he's the one uh, anointed of the Spirit. So even there, uh, as he's bearing, his, uh, bearing our sins in his body and receiving the, the wrath of God that we deserve, he's still offering up the sacrifice, uh, through the eternal spirit, empowered by the, the spirit, dies and then rises. And sure enough, the resurrection too is described as being the work of, of the Holy Spirit. So turn over now to, to Romans 1. Uh, Romans 1. Uh, page uh, 939, if you're using the Black Bible. You can see the resurrection Sometimes in Scripture ascribed to the Father, and of course Jesus himself is very active in it. But also here we get another uh, peak. The other member of the Trinity is involved too, uh, the Holy Spirit. So Romans 1, verses 3 and 4. Paul's talking about this gospel, this good news that he preaches. Uh, it's, the, it's the gospel concerning his Son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be the Son of God in power, According to the spirit of holiness, by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So Paul is saying here that Jesus was, was raised up. He was exalted. He was vindicated. Uh, he, went from, he went from this state of humiliation uh, all the way now in exaltation. Paul says it's now Son of God in power, right? It's his state of exaltation. That's, that's what the resurrection is, this vindication, exaltation of Jesus and Paul says, yeah, and that takes place through the Spirit. Through the Spirit. He was declared to be Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness. There, uh, like in his, in his birth and his ministry and his, uh, and his death, now in his resurrection exaltation, it's the power of the Spirit uh, at work. Uh, so he's starting to put all the pieces together. Uh, we're seeing this life of Jesus uh, earthly life of Jesus from its beginning all the way to its, its climax at the resurrection, and we see the Spirit at work at every, at every point. 
Uh, if you wanted to give a good summary verse, there's a great verse. I won't even turn there, but great verse in Acts chapter 10. Peter kind of summarizing the earthly life of Jesus to the Gentiles. Uh, and here's, here's how he puts it, uh, talking about, about Jesus. And he says, 1038 of Acts, he says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, he went about doing good. He went about doing good. Right? There's a good description of what Jesus does. He goes about doing good. There is preaching. There is miracles. There is death and resurrection. There is defeat and of the temptations of the devil. He went about doing good. And Peter says, yeah, because he was anointed uh, of the Spirit by, the, uh, by God. Anointed uh, with the Holy Spirit, that companion of the Spirit, from the beginning to, to end. Why is this important for us? All right, we've gone on this theological, biblical journey, looking at the life of Jesus. Oh, look, you see the Spirit everywhere. Why is this important to us? Well, you might remember how we saw last week how John the Baptist really set up uh, this passage of Luke and really set up our, our study. Because John the Baptist talks about Jesus, and he makes the point that what Jesus is going to come and do. John, he says, oh, yeah, I just baptized with water, but this, this one after me? He's going to baptize you with the Spirit. That's where it's going. Jesus uh, gets the Spirit and, and is empowered by the Spirit from the beginning to the end of his life. Also, uh, in order to get to the point where raised up, exalted, now he pours the Spirit out on us. Right? That, that same power uh, is at work within us. And that's the, that's the good news. Uh, he get Jesus as this, as this second Adam who, as it were, blazes the trail, right? makes the footprints, the, the trail through the snow, the, the, the path that we're, we can't make, uh, the, the, the journey that we can't take. Right? We're spiritually stuck in our sin and in the death of the, of the first Adam. But here's this Jesus, made like us, but yet, yet different, perfected, the father of a new humanity, the, the, the prototype of a whole new humanity. Uh, that's Jesus. And by the power of the Spirit, he makes those uh, footprints in the snow, blazes that trail, and now he gives us the Spirit so we can walk in his footsteps. Uh, and and then, then you can start to connect uh, the, the Spirit's work in Jesus and say, oh, that, that's what the Spirit does in me. Not identical, uh, but, but, but somewhat similar, right? Kind of like walking in the footprints. It's not, it's not identical, but we kind of go on the same path. Okay, so we said uh, the, spirit of, uh, uh, the Spirit of God is at work uh, in, the, in the death and resurrection of Jesus. Uh, okay, think about your life. If, if you're a believer in Christ, uh, how did you become a believer in Christ? Scripture says uh, we start off dead in our sin. So how did you come alive again? How did you go from dead uh, to alive? It was through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came and took you from dead and made you alive. Oh, that's exactly what he did for Jesus. Dead in the tomb, alive by the spirit of holiness. And now we have that spirit, and so we go from dead to alive. Uh, we said Jesus, uh, the spirit was at work in the ministry of Jesus, that he went about doing good. Well, isn't that basically what we're supposed to do in the Christian life? We're supposed to go about doing good, serving the Lord. Uh, you know, how, 
how can we do that? Uh, um, Paul gives this great uh, summary in 2 Corinthians 5 of, of here's, here's what we're, why we were saved, and here's what we're called to do in the Christian life. And, and he, says, he says that, that those who have died might no longer live for themselves, but for them, for him who died for them. Right? So this is, this is the Christian life, that we might no longer live for ourselves, but, but live for the Lord. Now think about how just radically unnatural that is. You, me, no longer live for ourselves, but live for the Lord. So you're going you're gonna to go into this week, and you're not going to live for yourself. You're not going to live for your, your pleasure. You're not going to live for your glory. You're not going to live for your own achievements or your own self-satisfaction. No, you're not going to live for yourself. You're going to live for the Lord, for his, uh, for his glory, for, uh, for, for doing good in his name. You're going to live for him. Think of how incredibly unnatural that is, uh, how, how so much in us uh, you know, says that that, that that can't be right. Right? There's got to be a loophole in there, right? It's, it's, we can live a little bit for ourselves, right? It's, it's incredibly unnatural uh, and seems almost impossible. No longer live for myself, but for the Lord? How is that possible? But then we start to remember the life of Jesus. We start to remember the Holy Spirit. He went about doing good. He had the Holy Spirit upon him. And now what do we have? We have that same Spirit. Yeah, in ourselves, we can't do it. Uh, we, we, we can't do this incredibly unnatural thing of no longer living for ourselves, but living to serve uh, others and love him. But now we have this same spirit that empowered Jesus to go about doing good, and that spirit's on us. Uh, so you see, this is, this, this, this is right where we live. Uh, it's, it's powerful theological truth, but it hits us exactly where we're going to be tomorrow morning. Right, how can I do this? Uh, right, well, you look at Jesus and you look at the Spirit's work in his life. You look at life from the dead. You look at empowerment. You look at fellowship with God to, to have strength. And you can say, oh, look, that's Jesus blazing the trail for me. And that's the Spirit that's on me. Which is why, why Hebrews is so clear to say, fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. That's how you run the race. Yeah, because you see how Jesus did it, and you see that he did it for you, and you see the strength that's within you. Now let's pray. Father, we do, we do need your strength, your equipping power. We're thankful, Lord, to be able to see in the, in the pages of your word just what you have done. And we pray, uh, Lord, that as we, as we fix our eyes on Jesus and who he is and and what he did for us, that we would be encouraged and built up and see this wonderful call and, and the wonderful strength we have because of, uh, of Christ and the spirit that he gives. Encourage your people, we do pray. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. amen.